world of internet. Welcome back to another Culture Catch-Up. We are coming at you live from Ignite. This is Dory, and I have the privilege of interviewing Chris De Silva just out from his wedding date, which is happening next Saturday. So it's exciting, exciting times. Chris, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, obviously, I had to do some organizing to be here at Ignite and give a talk today. But now that I've got that out the way, I can just focus on the wedding and most things are organized. The logistics were freaking me out a bit, but most things are organized. So in terms of the actual wedding itself, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm really looking forward to beginning married life. Amazing. Now, Chris, I'm not going to lie. This is a dream come true for me because three years ago, we started the Culture Project Australia. Yeah. And when we first started this missionary organization, you were like, we need to do podcasts and it's happening right now. And now, Chris, I was thinking we could delve into, like, the journey of, like, how did this happen for you that Chris De Silva is getting married next week? Like, what happened? Well, I might as well start right at the beginning. So, back in uh, 2015, which is when I first came to Sydney to start the Culture Project with yourself, I went to a casual swing dancing evening at Campion College and I met this lovely lady named Taylor and we began a little bit of a friendship it wasn't it wasn't even a like a really good friendship where we'd see each other regularly or talk regularly or catch up often or anything like that but we both noticed each other and i was told later down the line that she knew that some of our mutual friends were actually trying to set us up but they decided not to tell me that information so that I could just kind of figure it out for myself and and feel like I was being the man and feel like I was still in control of the situation and stuff. But we actually were kind of being set up. Um, But after I got to know her a bit, I didn't really mind about that anymore because I was just very enamored by her. Um, I thought that she was gorgeous and, you know, a good Catholic girl, serious about her faith, and she was supportive and encouraging of what we were doing in terms of the pro-life and the chastity messages. Um, but at the time when we met, we were, we were on a dating fast. So obviously, Culture Project missionaries have to go on a dating fast for a while. Um, and so, although I, I was interested, I, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm not going to go and actively pursue, but I'll just pray about it and see what God does. So... A few months later, we, we went over to the States for training in America and and our president over there said that we don't need to be on a dating fast anymore. Well, I mean, I was the only one who, who needed to really be on the dating fast. <laughs> but um, uh, I came back and um, I, di- I didn't see her for like another three months after that either. So I thought things were kind of fading away. Uh, I, I did ha- add her to my prayer list though, so I would still remember her. Uh, every morning when I prayed for her. What was the motivation of adding her to the prayer list? The motivation was that maybe something would happen one day. <laughs> so you liked her and you knew you liked her. I did, her. Yeah. yeah. Like when I when yeah. I saw her I was like, yeah, I was like this is this she's my type. Like I think this is the type of girl that I would that I would like to end up marrying. And just to clarify quickly, Chris, how long is the dating fast for Culture Project missionaries? In a normal circumstance, it would go for a year, but because we were, it was just us, um, and we kind of took on the role of directors, so we were kind of missionaries and directors, 
But we were f- I was freed from the dating fast because of that. Yeah. So you're praying for Taylor every morning. Yes. You haven't seen her in like three months. Yeah. You're off a dating fast. Yeah. What happened? So what happened next was uh, our mutual friends who were trying to get the hookup happening um, texted me one night and they didn't beat around the bush at all. They just asked me the question. They just, just said, Chris, uh, we need to find you a wife. They actually said that And I was like Okay Dot 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 And um, they were like Someone at Campion And I was like Does it have to be someone at Campion And they were like yeah So they said come on If it had to be someone at Campion Then who would it be And then I said oh well It would probably be Taylor So They were like great That's what we were thinking (laughs) Um, And they were like well you just need to invite her to your culture project events, you know, get her along to the reading group. When you guys put on a restore night, get her along to that. And so I made sure that whenever I made these events on Facebook that I would invite her and I would also send her a personal invite. So I would, I would actually inbox her individually to invite her. And, and she thought that I was doing that to everyone. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I invited her to three or four things and she couldn't come to any of them. So it came to the point where for me, and I think if you talk to a lot of guys from the guy's perspective, at that point you would think this person's probably just not very interested at all. So anyway, I remember there was one night we were doing a culture catch-up reading group and she had RSVP'd to it. And as I pulled up to the house where you used to live, she sent me a Facebook message saying that she couldn't make it. And I sent her a lot of sad slash angry emojis, just as a joke. Um, And then she was like, no, I'm really sorry. I really wanted to be there. And she went on and on about it. And I was like, maybe she actually did want to come. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to her, well, haven't seen you in ages. So uh, the ball's coming up this weekend. So the Campion ball was coming up that weekend. And uh, we'll see We'll see if we can catch up at the ball. And she was like, okay, we'll catch up at the ball. So we get to the ball and um, I basically saw her there. She seemed really happy to see me, which I was pleasantly surprised by because I thought maybe she wasn't keen at all because she kept on rejecting all my other invitations. <laughs> but apparently those were legitimate excuses. So at the night of the ball, we ended up talking for like three or four hours And by the end of the night, while everyone was leaving, um, I kind of knew that something was going on here. So I was like, okay, I've been going into schools and youth groups talking to guys about pursuing and taking initiative. And I know how sometimes I have slacked off in that area. So now is not the time for me to slack off. So I I jumped in the deep end and asked her for her number and she, she sounded pretty happy to give it to me. So I was happy with that. And then, so that was a Saturday night. And then on the Monday, I thought, okay, I should organize something. I feel like now is the time. And I was just freaking out. I was so nervous. I was like having an anxiety attack. And I was messaging one of my friends on Facebook. And I was like, this is what's happened. And my friend was like, you just need to call her. You just need to call her now and ask her on a date. And I was like, oh, do I really? I was like, no, you're right. I do. I do. So I was so nervous. And we had this, um, this pull-up bar hanging over one of the doors in our house. We were, I was in a, in a boy's house at the time. 
And so I went and did some pull-ups to release my nervous tension. <laughs> and then I called her. And we had a really great conversation on the phone for like an hour. And then she had to go. And I thought, I haven't asked yet. So now's the time. So I was like, before you go, would you like to go on a date? And she said, yeah, she would. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and uh, we went on a date the following Saturday. Now, that Saturday morning, I went to Mass. And it was a Latin Mass. So the Latin Mass, for those who don't know, uses a different calendar in terms of saints' feast days than uh, what we have in the new calendar. So I didn't know whose feast day it was going to be because I hadn't opened a missile yet. And I got there and I opened it. I opened my missile to the day, which was the 24th of October, which is the feast of St. Raphael the Archangel in the old calendar. And as a bit of background information, I got confirmed when I was 16 and I had chosen St. Raphael to be my confirmation saint because I wanted him to find me a good and holy wife and to, to bless my marriage. And so I opened this missile up on, on the day of this date and it was his feast day and I was like, perhaps this means something. Maybe I don't want to be superstitious, but perhaps it means something. And I recently found out from Taylor herself that leading up to the Campion Ball where we had that great conversation and I asked for her number, she had been praying a novena to St. Raphael to also help her find her future spouse. Um, and she said to me that when I had asked her for her number, she felt like there was something in her that knew that, that I was the one she was going to marry. Um, where for me, I think I had been in a couple of other relationships, so I didn't want to jump to conclusions. So I thought, I'll take this one step at a time. But having said that, the first date did go really well and I haven't looked back since. Now, on the first date, Chris, you were pretty upfront with her. I remember I you saying that <laughs> if, if you were, you already told her on the very first day that if you were to get married, you were going to live... In Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to... In the culture that we, that we live in, I think if you want to live out a holy, good Catholic marriage, then you need to be surrounded by other good Catholic marriages. And I think you want a really uh, good, wholesome parish community, uh, good liturgy, good, good priests around um, who you can see on a regular basis and actually form a relationship with. And, and so um, I've been part of the Brisbane Oratory, which is... Uh, where I came back to after leaving Sydney. And yeah, so on the first date, I said to her, I'm probably going to really want to settle down and, and raise my family in Brisbane. How do you feel about that? And she was like, okay, you know, if God's calling me to Brisbane, then, then that's where he's calling me. And so some people comment on that and they were like, wow, you did that on the first date. And I say to them, well, if that was always my intention, wouldn't it have been... Wouldn't it have been much worse of me to wait until like six months down the line when we're already very emotionally invested in each other and say, oh, by the way, how do you feel about leaving your family and moving to another city? <laughs> so I thought, you know, this is the first date. We're not that emotionally attached to each other yet. So if you are completely opposed to the idea of leaving Sydney, then you can pull out and, and we'll, we'll still be friends. We won't hurt each other. And it'll be fine. So that was that was my uh, rationale behind 
that decision. <laughs> Man. And going back to this St. Raphael guy, because this is pretty crazy. Like, confer- he's your confirmation saint. Yeah. She's doing Novena. Yeah. The date that you guys, your first date was on his feast day. Yeah. Now, you're getting married next week. Yeah. The day after his feast day. Or the day after the feast day of the Archangels, I think it is. Or the... St. Michael, maybe? It's St. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. We've got three on one day. Okay. And then he has his own one in October. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, did, did that have, like, a, a factor in choosing the day? Or was that just a coincidence how that rolled out? <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit of a coincidence, actually, because ideally you want to pick a good feast day. Um, the wedding itself is on the feast day of St. Jerome, who uh, translated the Bible into Latin. Yeah, no, so... <laughs> So it actually, we, we actually were thinking more practically when it came to the day of our wedding. So we picked a day that would be uh, when she's on uni break, um, when it would be a good time to have a honeymoon. And that also lined up with having enough time to prepare the wedding, uh, you know, all the logistics that are involved in that. So so he had a hand in it rather than you, yeah. by the sounds of it. That's incredible. And yeah. then on that, Chris, because it sounds like Taylor, like when you asked for her number, she was always like, ooh, this could be something. But when did that happen for you? When was your moment of like, wow, this is the woman I want to marry? Like I said before, um, I, I didn't want to get ahead of myself. But I feel like if I look back, there was always something there telling me that, that this would be it. Um, yeah, I think the way that everything fell into place so beautifully and the relationship kind of prog- progressed very smoothly. And... Um, and also how I had kind of discerned beforehand that this was the kind of person, the kind of personality type um, that I would like to marry. So I think all those puzzle pieces kind of just fit together. And then the other thing, which is very, um, very warm and fuzzy, is that there, were, there was a feeling when it came to holding her hand in particular when I held her hand for the first time that it felt like our hands were were two puzzle pieces that just fit together perfectly and I had dated other girls and and held their hands before and I didn't have that feeling with them you know it felt like you know looking back and looking at those relationships it felt like something was off about how our hands fit together but when I, even to this day when I hold her hand it feels like our hands belong intertwined in each other I'm melting Yeah And like Chris You went from like Dating And like living In the same city But different suburbs To moving back to Brisbane Uh, And she's still in Sydney So you've been doing Long distance since Like the whole year Yeah How's that been? That's had its challenges You know Um, But I think We had A sense of peace About that Even Praying about it Beforehand And When times felt tough this year and we wish that we weren't long distance going going and spending a decent amount of time in prayer before the blessed sacrament and, and just giving those uh, concerns to our Lord uh, gave me a lot of peace about the situation and it was one of those things where I think he gave me a real grace to accept that this was actually his will for our relationship for this time um, and that really helped me to be patient. Uh, so while on a personal level, I still didn't like being apart from her, 
I had a, a deeper knowledge that this is what we needed. And I think I've seen some of the fruits of that in our relationship because I think you you can become you can be very enamored with a person very awestruck by them when you're in their presence and when you're physically in their presence even on, on the biological level there's all the the pheromones going on but when you're long distance those things kind of go away and you have to rely solely on communication and um, not even not even body language which is really the largest part of how we communicate with each other, which is obviously something that the Culture Project talks about a lot. Um, but we didn't even have that body language a lot of the time. We'd just be on the phone. And so we really had to be intentional and rely upon the words that we had used. And so we found things like little disagreements came up more often since we've been long distance. But at the same point, because we hadn't had very many of those beforehand, I, I actually, once we had resolved those things, I felt actually quite grateful because it taught us how to resolve them well. Um, and, you know, maybe, well, definitely, we've learned more about how to communicate better with each other, how to understand each other better, what we mean when we say certain things, uh, and just to be more intentional with the specific kind of words that we use because, you know, words, words have consequences. They, they evoke certain feelings. Um, so you can't, you can't tell half the story. You can't just be like, "Ah, oh, I'm good," or "Ah, oh, I don't feel very good right now." And so sometimes that took like sitting on the phone and having large periods of silence before <laughs> before the truth really came out. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we actually we actually learned a lot from it. So it was great. Incredible, absolutely amazing. And would you have any tips for those out there who are going through dating or courtship and they're trying to be intentional and trying to discern, is this something more? Like, should this progress to the next stage of a relationship? Should this progress towards marriage? Like, do you have any tips for people who are in that position? Yes. Um, well, first of all, I would say from my experience that the cliché that married couples tell you that when you know, you know, uh, proved to be true in our relationship <laughs> because beforehand I had hypothesized about whether there was a magic certain amount of time that you needed to spend with the person before you proposed or before you even spoke about marriage. But everything came so so smoothly and so simply for us. And I think... Part of it was because we were both completely honest and upfront with each other about our intentions right at the beginning. So, at the first date, we both said we weren't lo we were looking for something serious. So we were looking for somebody to dis discern marriage with. Um, if if the other person had wanted to wait, you know, more than two years, then we would have been doubtful about whether we would have progressed because you know this is something that we were looking into doing now. Um, so we were upfront about our intentions wanting to get married. Obviously, like, you, like we talked about before, I was upfront about how I wanted to raise my family. We, we spoke early on about, um, you know, even what kind of parish we'd like our family to be a part of, what we think about education, what we think about children and how many we want to have. We spoke about all those things very early um, because those are the things that we, we had both thought about before we had even gotten into the relationship. So I think some people 
say, oh, don't talk about those things too soon. Just get to know the person. But that is kind of getting to know them, especially if they've made those decisions beforehand. Um, and as long as you're making sure that you're not pressuring them into, we have to do it this way. And you're, you know, you're saying, well, no, we are just getting to know each other. Like, we're still saying, oh, it might not be you, but I do want to know what your goals are for these things because these are the, the decisions that impact literally the rest of your life. So important to talk about them, I think, as soon as possible. No, incredible. And like my final question for you, too, Chris, is these friends that kind of set you up and were like, oh, you know, like which girl and all that. Do they um, run like a dating business or anything like that now with this successful <laughs> outcome? Do they, is that a thing that's been happening <laughs> with these group of friends? Well, one of them's in a convent. And uh, her sister, who's the other one who really had a had a lot to do with it. Um, she went to campaign with Taylor, and um, yeah, they're still friends. They're still close, and she'll be there. She'll be there on the wedding day. So, can our listeners contact them if they need a hand in um, pursuing a oh, good absolutely. relationship? I Is mean, that the way to go? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, everybody listening, if if you've heard this by the before the 30th of September, I'm not sure if you will have, but if you have, then you, you can come along to the, the mass, the wedding mass, and um, I'll introduce you to <laughs> the matchmaker, and um, I can guarantee you some good results. Wow, well, <laughs> Chris, we'll definitely be praying for you and lead up to your wedding. Um, Thank you so much. And it's incredible to actually have you on here and to be able to share this all, so... All the best, and we'll have to probably do a post-wedding podcast. Yeah. We're like, oh, what is married life yeah. like? <laughs> yeah, and just to finish off, um, I, 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 I want to thank the Culture Project, so yourself, because without doing the Culture Project, this wouldn't have eventuated for me. Uh, so I, I do see the Culture Project, and especially the formation that comes along with it, prepares you so well for the sacrament of marriage. So if there's any guys listening as well who who want to do the best thing that they can to prepare them for marriage. And, you know, maybe you're at uni and maybe, maybe you just finished uni and you, your job is not very inspiring at the moment. But I would literally say the best preparation that you can do for marriage right now is do, do a year at the Culture Project and you'll be, you'll be very pleased with how God blesses you for that. Incredible. You can apply online. Um, <laughs> no, terrific. Well, we better get back to the Ignite Festival because we're going to kick into the next session. But thanks so much, Chris, and we'll see you guys on the next Culture Catch-Up.